back to A Place for Film, the official IU Cinema podcast. My name is David Carter, and joining me is my co-host, as always, Elizabeth Rell. Hi. How's it going, Elizabeth? <laughs> um, there have been better days, but we just talked to two really great people, so I'm doing well. Yes. Uh, we just had a delightful conversation with uh, Joseph Toff and Kirsten Wade of Toff Media. That's going to be coming up later in the episode. Uh, we've also kind of hung out on Zoom for like 20 minutes before that. And we're just talking about how uh, sad we are that Christopher Plummer passed away literally like an hour ago and uh, how buck wild and terrible the Golden Globe nominations are, <laughs> which uh, we were going to go longer on. But uh, this interview is so nice and delightful that I kind of want that to just to be the vibe of this episode. But just know the Golden Globes. Made a lot of dumb choices, like always, but especially dumb this year. They mm-hmm. snubbed a lot of, lot of pretty, like they snubbed Watchmen in a lot of oh, categories, weirdly. That was this last year still? Yeah. Oh my God, this has been the longest year of my life. I mean, <laughs> I May Destroy You, the uh, HBO crime. show. That one uh, was snubbed. I mean, there is... Uh, we, we are not a pro Jared Leto podcast, so imagine my surprise <laughs> when The Little Things, a movie that won't exist in like two months, but like I think anyone who watches it can agree that that movie is purely held up on the pillar known as Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And when you watch it, you're just kind of like a, you're just waiting for Denzel's next scene because you know he's going to hit it out the park. It's going to be great. Uh, and then weirdly enough, Jared Leto, which is just a ball of affectations in that movie is the one that is being recognized. (laughs) Do you think, I mean, there's a lot of bad Oscar mistakes and awards we've given to people. Do you think in modern history, Jared Leto's win for Dallas Buyers Club was one of the worst Oscar mistakes? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I would like everyone to know, pre- Dallas Buyers Club, I would uh, classify my relationship with Jared Leto as purely like I like Requiem for a Dream. I, th- I thought he was good in it. I've never listened to 30 Seconds to Mars in my entire life. I prefer the 30 Seconds to Mars Jared Leto. I mean, for actor. me, 30 Seconds to Mars Legacy will just remain as a joke in pop star Never <laughs> Stop, Never Stopping, <laughs> where Tim, Me- Tim Meadows says something like, You were up there for like 10 seconds. It's a third of the way to Mars. Connor, we've talked about this. 30 Seconds to Mars is the name of a band. It's not a fact. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy that after Dallas Buyers Club, he's essentially, like, cashed in on a career that I'm like, I don't understand the appeal. And the nicest thing I can say about Jared Leto in some of his recent movies is that it seemed like he's being cast on the fact that he is an unlikable presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did get that great quote from Denzel about, they asked uh, someone asked him about Jared Leto's me- method acting and him just saying like, oh, he didn't try that with me when the when to let it fly. As crazy as he is, he knows better than to do that. <laughs> yes. We would like to get to this great interview with uh, Joe and Kirsten as quickly as possible because they are great, delightful people. Uh, Joe even surprised us with a little fun activity. Oh my gosh! In the I was middle like, of he the... brought something to the he, table. He like, look, I love a prepared guest. That's what I'll say. I love a prepared guest. But before we get to that, Elizabeth is going to dazzle us with the upcoming schedule at the Ice. Coming up this week, 
at the IU Cinema. On Tuesday, February 9th at 7 p.m., we will screen the film Alice Rehan, The Black Bee, a documentary about the French and Mexican surrealist painter and poet Alice Rehan. This film will be the first movie in our Art in the Movie series this semester. It is a live event with a Q&A with Nan Brewer and Jenny McComas of the Eskenazi Museum of Art and art dealer Wendy Norris. On Wednesday, February 10th, and available through February 24th, will be the 1976 documentary Grey Gardens, about mother and daughter reclusive cousins of Jackie Onassis. This film is a part of the 10 Years, 10 Films, 10 Perspective series, celebrating the 10th anniversary of IU Cinema. It's free to watch, but you can only get access to the film by signing up for the IU Cinema weekly emails which you can do by accessing the contact page on the IU Cinema website. Finally, on Thursday, February 11th at 7 p.m., we have the Nina Menkes Jorgensen program. Menkes will present her keynote, Sex and Power, the Visual Language of Oppression, in which she will analyze a series of film clips by established and highly regarded film directors from the 1940s all the way to present day. This talk is currently being made into a feature documentary called Brainwashed, so don't miss your chance to experience this talk, which is not recorded or available anywhere else online. Elizabeth, is there anything you want to tell people about the upcoming uh, interview we had with Joe and Kirsten D, <laughs> besides the fact that it was great? No, I want them to be surprised. <laughs> no spoilers here for things that are going to happen in like 20 minutes. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> but Joe and Kirsten of Toff Media, uh, the, the, we'll, get, we'll get into an interview, but they uh, are responsible for the filmmaker interviews uh, that the IE Cinema does, the 10 questions interviews that are posted all of on our YouTube channel. Um, if you want to check those out, please go to our YouTube channel. Um, they mention their favorite ones in the interview. Um, but it's nice to talk to someone behind the scenes that uh, I have actually personally never interacted with face to face, which is kind of a tragedy now because they're great people. Uh, and yeah, their work they do at the cinema is invaluable, but we will let them talk about that. <laughs> Uh, Joseph Tarr, um and uh, Kirsten Wade here. Hi. We're both part of a small video production company um, in Indianapolis, uh, and we do a lot of video marketing, video production stuff for a handful of regional clients, and have had the immense pleasure of um, working with uh, the IU Cinema for the past eight years or so with visiting filmmaker interviews and um, science on screen, um, events and other events. So it's been, it's been a pleasure to kind of see the evolution of, uh, the cinema program there and get to meet a lot of really awesome people. Um, and a lot of filmmakers too. I'm a IU alum of the IU telecom department when it was still telecom. Now it's the media school, uh, graduated in 2011 and December and stuck around kind of that, uh, well, I guess decade after 2011. Um, but after undergrad, I had spent most of my time doing audio production and sound design and kind of steeped myself in, in that world on the telecom side. Um, and didn't really do a lot of videography, cinematography stuff until a few, uh, extracurricular things 
came up and um, kind of way later in my kind of senior uh, semesters. But uh, uh, after undergrad, um, you know, the cinema promotional video was kind of that first um, trial by fire uh, gig that we got of its size. Uh, that really kind of springboarded us into having something um, complete to be able to shop around and show what we were capable of at that early stage was kind of a a really important springboarding opportunity that that John gave us um, in uh, I think it was early 2013 um, and then from there it just kind of grew um, getting different jobs of of slightly more um involved complexity and kind of just grew from there so we have a uh an interesting history that kind of started with the cinema and that opportunity but uh yeah and uh my background is actually i I went to heron in indianapolis for fine art photography and i took a a video art class there that kind of got me interested in um, production and I think the cinema shoot was the first time I was on like an actual set. Um, Me and Joe kind of have worked together since then. In high school, Joe and I used to like, I don't know, play around and do home movies and just and with other friends as well, just kind of, I don't know, had fun with it. And yeah, because that was senior year of my uh, of high school. I had a radio TV class and, uh, Kirsten and I both went to the same high school and we dated, um, and a sophomore and junior and senior year, but I had a radio TV class that we were lucky to have kind of a tri-county radio TV, um, course that our, um, high school offered Western Boone and Mr. Foxworthy, was probably the first spark for me um, that lit the fire of wanting to pursue video production as a career. And we'd watch films um, we'd not seen before, make content. And that was kind of the perfect learning environment early on. And that kind of fun stuff Kirsten and I and other friends would do was kind of outside of that radio TV class. But it was it was a good balance of that structured early education radio TV environment, but also you know, having fun with friends, just goofing off. So, um, we lived in kind of a small town, so our access was pretty limited to like family video or whatever family video was stocking at the time. Blockbuster. So, yeah. Well, it was funny too, because, you know, Kirsten and I dated in high school. We took some time off, but then circled back around. I got my. <laughs> I got my stuff together, (laughs) but you know, dating Kirsten in high school, we went to a lot of movies. We had a local pavilion cinema in Lebanon. Um, we probably went like once or twice a week. That was kind of like a big part of our early, um, relationship, but just going to the movies, that was kind of a, an anchor. I want to say the first movie we went to together was the skeleton key. (laughs) Have you guys seen that one? (laughs) I've seen this movie so many times. What is the skeleton key? Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, and uh, Kate Hudson. It's uh, it's like a horror movie. It's a good PG-13 horror thriller. Okay, okay, all right. I feel I like it was on HBO a lot. Yeah, set in, or near New Orleans. 
I wonder if that's what sparked our love for going to New Orleans. It's a good place. But, you know, stuff like uh, the Red Eye or like Land of the Dead. I remember King Kong and like Anchorman. Pirates. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was all we had in a small town. But funny story there, not to get off on a tangent, but I had a small uh, shared office space with a close friend and later employee, John Stante. And um, the owner of that shared office space was uh, Pavilion Properties, which you probably see around Bloomington. And like one one day I saw cinema seats in their neighboring office and I was like, hey, that's cool. And they were like, yeah, we owned a couple cinemas and it ended up being the cinema that Kirsten and I went to um, in Lebanon because they had a few cinemas and they've since sold it off, but it's a little small world we live in. <laughs> you can go into everybody's world. You can feel their misery, their excitement, their sexual lunacy, their murderous rage, everything without having to leave one place that you chose to go to. I love the idea of going in a dark room and entering a new world. How you kind of really fall into a film, you know, that's incredibly powerful. When you're in here, you are somewhere else. And it's a language that anyone can read. The world is waiting for you. The original 2013 cinema promo was one of the first opportunities um, that we had. And I met John Vickers back in late 2012. And that was a few months after wrapping up my telecom undergrad. And, you know, like many, I felt that dark cloud of post undergrad thoughts forming, you know, do I continue school? Where do I find immediate work? Should that be career work? All that good stuff. Um, and then I'd spent most of my later semesters doing audio, like I mentioned, and really wanted to dive into the uh, videography, cinematography stuff. And I took a gamble in 2012 and got my parents to help me go in on a, a Red Scarlet cinema camera. And kind of, I, I promised to pay them back. I vowed to pay them back over time and, you know, decided to fully commit to developing that side. Um, and perfect storm. John had been directing and programming the cinema for a few years at that point. Um, and from what I can remember, it was like a perfect storm of just got this camera, John reaching out, um, to create a promotional video for the cinema for the, I think campus tours and new student orientation stuff. Um, and yeah, just spent the next few weeks planning, shooting and creating. And it was really fun. It was really good experience. And that was, like I said, that was the springboard of giving us the opportunity, us being able to creatively explore this, this project and it serve a purpose kind of for nearly a decade. So that was, that was kind of a perfect storm moment for us. You've done f over 50 filmmaker videos for us. Um, and Jonathan Banks is a big fan of yours. I found out from your website that Yours is his favorite interview he's ever recorded. Um, so of all of those people, um, who are your fave and most memorable interviews? Um, also, just like what are your favorite screenings that you've ever been to at the cinema? Oh, yeah. Well, we are very humbled that uh, Jonathan had as good of a time as we did. And funny story about Jonathan um, was that was the first time we met him in person. 
unfortunately, Kirsten didn't. I think go I was on vacation you. that week or with my mom. We went to Florida, but oh, yeah. my brother went with you to help out. Yeah. Because he was a big Breaking Bad fan. And that, that was like so cool for him to be able to meet Jonathan Banks and help out. So for that interview, Kirsten wasn't there, unfortunately, but Kirsten's brother, Zach, helped PA that. And, you know, if you guys have met him, um, you know, he's just super open, honest, warm, Mm -hmm. like genuinely present person. And he was really great to work with. And the, the funny part was there was another project that a uh, friend and colleague Tucker Gregg was working on for Franklin Hall, which was going to be at that point transitioning to be the HQ for the new media school. And he hired me to help him go out to Jonathan Banks' house in Malibu, California to record this um, voiceover and kind of um, select videography for that uh, that piece with him. So double whammy, we got to hang out with um, Jonathan Banks having met him once and kind of created that rapport, um, but got to spend time with him at his house. And that was, that was really fun. He was amazing, really fun. Um, that was a really fun time for, for Tucker and I. But as far as other memorable interviews, I think, uh, the ones that stick out to me are, um, John Waters, uh, Jim Jarmusch, Herzog. That was one of our first ones too. You're just naming uh, all of like John and Brittany's like favorite <laughs> people they've ever had come to the cinema. Yeah, we've uh, been introduced to, I mean, other work that we might not have found on our own without the cinema. You know, Josephine Decker, we've since watched some of her movies and I really love those. I, I think uh, everyone you named, um, but I feel like a lot of the times if we're not familiar with someone's work and it's a unique opportunity that like with Josephine Decker or Joseph Bernard, um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, so many others, if you're not familiar with their work, you get to just share space with them and basically hang out with them as a, as a launching pad to then get into their art and their content. And that's a pretty unique opportunity. But yeah, I'd say, um, uh, Boots Riley was oh, yeah, really fun. Boots Riley. And, and that was an opportunity to hang out with him. I think we, we filmed that, um, at the Black Film Center archive, but yeah, uh, DJ Spooky was really, was really fun. His work with, uh, um, that he brought was great. And I think for me, Joseph Bernard, um, the experimental filmmaker, unfamiliar with any of his work before just as a person and as an artist that was really fun and again Josephine Decker was um has a great spirit and you know and her work is is really interesting and um yeah everyone that's that's been invited and that we've been able to be uh with for a moment has taught us something so there's there was always something to to learn and be inspired by. Penelope Spheris too. That one was a really, f- I mean, we got to go to lunch with her at farm Bloomington. So that was a special, a special time for us too to be able to spend time with her outside of doing the interview. Preparing for this, we kind of just came up with a few kind of more behind the scenes moments. Some are just 
pretty uh, small things and others are kind of profound moments. But I just know every time that we would go to set up for the cinema, like it's a very uh, tranquil place. And we've been to a lot of different job sites or construction sites or manufacturing facilities for shooting. And they're pretty loud, obnoxious places, kind of globally going there to, in kind of a Zen-like way, just set up, share space with these giants and pack up and leave has always just been like a really tranquil (laughs) experience. Um, You can always get great sound there um, in the auditorium. The only stressful part is uh, parking. Oh my gosh, (laughs) stressful for all of us, especially now that they're putting in a new building in that parking lot right next to the cinema. So there's even less. (laughs) Yeah, over that nearly 10 years, we've seen that evolution of parking. Like we used to actually be, before we moved to Indianapolis, um, to our larger studio, we used to be on West 7th Street. So if the uh, Showalter Fountain, if the road just kept going, we'd be on the same street. Um, And we can't exactly walk with the gear. Um, I think it's just like a half a mile, but we miss Bloomington. But we don't miss the parking. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm very nosy. I want to know what these uh, memorable moments are from these interviews. I want to know. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, and it went into a long spiel about the parking. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? The parking uh, tangent staying in the podcast. I think uh, this is a good this is a good moment to just keep talking about the parking. OK, as its <laughs> own kind of extension podcast if there's not one about bloomington <laughs> welcome to a place for parking the official iu cinema podcast so we talk about all the parking woes uh, in bloomington this week's episode is going to be on fourth street parking oh my god uh, and how it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> we could get so many guests for that <laughs> no shortage of opinions on the parking I'd see that this podcast is number one on itunes already and i haven't even released it yet <laughs> Wait, 4th Street parking doesn't exist anymore? Uh, oh, the 4th Street garage got torn down. So oh, they're building it, but they're building okay. a new one that's uh bigger okay. and kind of uglier. I don't know. Everyone has their own opinion on it. It'll take like <laughs> 10 years to build and then 2 years in they'll want to redo it and then Probably. Cycle continues. <laughs> Are you calling out the city of Bloomington? No. <laughs> They've uh, <laughs> They know me from all those tickets parking in front of the cinema. Uh, Mayor Hamilton is a state and he's never done anything wrong. He's running this. He's doing a great job. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. But uh, off the topic of uh, parking, but similar, I guess. Um, in I think it was 2013, Ava DuVernay's interview. Um, I think I may have mentioned this before, but having the interview, it's great. She's awesome. Her work is amazing. And then all of a sudden the fire alarm in the cinema goes off and this has never happened before. John's like, okay, let's, let's go outside. So we all kind of just shut down and go outside and wait. And I think 15 minutes or so goes by and then get the all clear and we go back in and continue the interview. And it's great. She's awesome. We're having fun. And then the fire alarm goes off again. And John's like, well, we should probably go outside again. And so we go outside and just kind of hang out and talk and go back in after we get the all clear. And it goes off again. No. And we just kind of stay in there and eventually finish the interview. And it was a a great interview. But first and only time the fire alarm had gone off in that 
eight or nine years. Oh my um, gosh. And then do you remember John Waters, Kristen? Yeah. Um, I went to give him a handshake, was like really nervous and excited to meet him. And I had this ring on that was like a, a cat and the ears were kind of pointy. And he, or he immediately like pulled back and was like, ouch, you stabbed me with your ring. And then I was really embarrassed. And oh, no. I don't know. I don't think he was really hurt or offended, but it was just like, oh. Good first impression. Yeah, good first impression. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would have just, like, melted. <laughs> just like, okay, bye. I'm leaving forever. <laughs> he was he was cool about it, but it was one of those moments of, like, not what I in, in, intended for a first meeting. but And then uh, I think it was maybe two, 2015, John Waters? Yeah, 2015. Maybe 2017. It was during DJ Spooky's visit and we had the interview and it was great. Um, And then I think we were getting maybe cat food near the college mall. And then we somehow needed to go into college mall and that spiraled out into we were in Macy's like looking for coats or something. And then we see DJ Spooky in the men's fashion area and we're just like, hey. And he's like, hey. And we just kind of talk for a little bit i think he uh was looking for some stuff but that was fun <laughs> that was a, that was the only uh um kind of seeing someone outside the cinema running into them and that was cool and then kirsten yeah we both went to lunch with penelope spheris that was cool for those who don't know penelope spheris is the director of uh the decline of western civilization movies and wayne's world and the little rascals <laughs> movies and that that was really cool and uh she was really nice and it was a big table of, you know, um, IU cinema people, but also other IU professors. And it was just, I think other than, um, maybe one other time, it was the first time that we were offered to be kind of part of that lunch. And that was really fun. And, um, Chris Wanberg, who I think is now, yes, Chris went to dinner with her and in the cinema. And that was really fun too. And another little fun fact, if I recall correctly, Peter Weir, had scheduled an interview and then I guess it had to change last minute for schedule. Um, so we didn't get to perform his interview and that would have been pretty cool. I think he was the only, if I remember correctly, I hope, I hope I'm remembering correctly. He might've been the only cancellation. Hmm. Um, oh, in the entire, like uh, roughly almost decade you've been working at cinema. That's the only cancellation that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Glenn Close a potential? That was a, um, we hadn't set up yet. I mean, when I say Peter Weir canceled, it was we were there, we were set up, and then oh. um, John was like, slight change of plans, which were, you know, totally cool to run with and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't think Glenn Close had one scheduled, um, but that was that was pretty fun after her kind of keynote at the cinema. I think we had some late night editing, um, The Big Chill. And I had to run back to the studio on 7th Street to do some editing late night. And we had uh, kind of uh, packed up to leave equipment there in the cinema, leave during the screening. And I leave out the front and there's just Glenn Close standing there talking to John. And like, it's like, wow, that's cool. That's neat. I probably should have said something and explained why I was leaving. So her only memory of me wasn't just walking out of the big chill. But that was a that was fun. Oh, um, the late great Abbas Kiristami. That was a really fun interview. And if I remember, I think John Vickers had posed the idea 
a few weeks before or maybe a week before, hey, it would be kind of cool to get his interview in a moving vehicle and just drive through Bloomington because that's kind of an iconic visual of a lot of his work. And ultimately, I think it was a schedule or something that prevented us from doing that. But in retrospect, I wish I would have pursued that more. And that would have been really, really cool to kind of come out of the cinema, drive around Bloomington with Abbas Kiarostami. And, but uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and um, that would have been cool, but maybe maybe next time. Yeah. I'm a pretty shy person, so I think I get, or every time someone whose work I'm a fan of comes to the cinema and we're going to do an interview, I get all psyched up, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to ask them about their work and try to chat with them a little bit, but I always get, like, really nervous and chicken out or say something I didn't want to say or, you know, mess it up somehow, but hopefully after 2020, you know, when we've all been isolated for a year, it'll get better. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we've been practicing <laughs> yeah. for a year. <laughs> and we're ready to unleash ourselves onto the social scene again. Oh, but um, Jim Jarmusch was like actually really interested in asking about our lives and talking to us, which was like, I don't know, cool. He was a really nice person. And it was just kind of unexpected that he was like asking us questions about our lives. <laughs> and I don't know. He's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. He was like, so what are you guys doing these days? Like, what are you working on? And I mean, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and pretty rare. I think I said nothing as cool as what you're working on. But <laughs> um, I mean, the interviews, I mean, we're working on cool stuff. But of course, yeah, he was he was a lot taller than I expected too. Um, he's 6'2". I, I confirmed this, <laughs> which I think is an understatement. I think IMDb has that a little wrong. Because he was like as tall as me and I'm like 6'4". I think the hair helps too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That might be. Yeah. Along those lines, I have some uh, borrowing from your wonderful 10-year anniversary cinema uh, live event a couple weeks ago where you guys had uh, trivia that inspired me to put some trivia together for you guys if, if you're interested. That's exciting. I'm so excited. I yeah, love trivia. All right, trivia question number one. Of all the visiting filmmakers, uh, who was the one and only one that wore sunglasses during their interview? Was it, was it Abbas Kiarostami? Close. I think he had a prescription transition lens because he had an eye condition. I did not include him, <laughs> but close. Elizabeth? You know, I should know this because I was one of the people who combed through all those videos to look for quotes. Uh, so I've seen them all and I cannot remember. All right. You have 10 seconds. Mm. Francois Truffaut's never been to the cinema. Car, why has it come? Uh, I'm just trying to think of famous directors who wear sunglasses a lot. No, I, I'm stumped that Abbas was, was my best guess. All right. You might know him from Drive. Nicholas Winding oh. Refn wore sunglasses. That checks that makes out. sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the early ones, too. I think that was in maybe 2013 or 14. Definitely 2014. Yeah, I, I have a false memory of Jim wearing sunglasses during the interview, so I got the question wrong when Joe asked me. So I don't think <laughs> I ever see pictures of him without sunglasses, so that's just how I imagine him. Well, along those lines, sometimes 
we are we are given the unexpected to deal with and this next question is definitely in line with that type of situation so very rarely do interviewees request to make changes to lighting and lighting setup but can you guess who made the one and only request to change lighting this is tough because they're all directors so they're all naturally control freaks um that's what i thought too i thought every time they would uh, get a glimpse of we'd turn the monitor around to get their approval like i was always afraid I feel like it's either someone who's famously prickly like Claire Denis or it's someone I wouldn't expect like uh, Michael Schultz. I don't so I don't know. Those are my two <laughs> spectrum answers. Elizabeth. Um, oh, I don't. This is a hard one. I'm going to say I'm going to go with uh, was it John Waters? Very good guesses. Claire Denis would have been cool. We never got to interview her. But you have 10 seconds to consider oh, okay. uh, an alternative because both are unfortunately wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm going to Hail Mary and say Werner Herzog. Um, Alex Ross Perry. Unfortunately, um, no okay. to both. But drum roll, uh, Penelope Spheris. Mm. Ah, interesting. Okay. You know, we always flip the monitor around and um, John or Brittany wants them to kind of be okay with how they look. And I remember Penelope being like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is way too bright. And we made the correct changes. She was happy. We were happy. Um, and we took that with us. And from that point forward, we, we tried to make sure the lights were as soft and as comfortable as possible. All right. We appreciate you coming on. Our <laughs> game show. Thank and, you. Uh, yes, yes, we're honored. Giving we're humbled us, guests. All right. Okay. So we encourage everyone uh, to come as they are and wear whatever they want and be comfortable. But can you recall the only visiting filmmaker who wore a baseball cap during the interview? Michael Schultz. Oh, ooh. Well, mine was Anna Lilia Mirpour, but I oh, think she Elizabeth's did. Never right. mind. You're right. That's her. That I mean, close, Elizabeth. Um, Michael wore one in, if I remember correctly. Mm. See, I was so. working those events, so my brain is just a little fuzzy. <laughs> Anna Lily is the correct answer. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. David has a good story about her also. <laughs> the short version of that story is just uh, I, went, I got to go to dinner with her, and then after dinner, uh, my friends had texted me joking, like, you should invite her out to the, because I was going to the bishop later that night yeah. after dinner and they're like you should invite her to come hang out with us like pretty much a joke and so <laughs> while we were both smoking cigarettes outside of malibu grill uh i just yeah. said i'm going to the bishop to hang out and drink do you want to come with me and then she like looked at her watch and said like yeah sure whatever and then she <laughs> we, we both she came to the bishop and we got smashed drinking all night with awesome. friends. it was a good time <laughs> well, what i wouldn't give for a beer at the bishop right now well it's a little early but <laughs> it's friday it's friday time yeah. doesn't mean anything at this point Two, True. a beer at 240 is completely fine i mean we're recording this from bed right now we just uh decided to stay in bed i mean if i could re if i could record this podcast on my back with like a laptop on my chest i 100 percent would <laughs> um final question there was one prolific filmmaker whose interview was recorded 
uh, but we were instructed not to post it until he passes away. A little morbid, um, a little sad, but uh, any idea who this might be? What? Well, it feels like someone elderly. Unfortunately, I'm not as familiar with the archive interviews, but if I had to do a knee-jerk reaction guess, it would be Elizabeth, take your answer first. Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, my Roger guess Corman? Is, that is literally my guess, Roger Corman. Oh, good guess. That's incorrect. Ooh. Because we posted his interview. Okay, okay. And it's out there. (laughs) Which is, that was a good one. Um, He was really cool. I'm trying to think of whose interview may not be posted, who would very much wait so many videos. Passed away. I think I'm going to say I'm stumped on this one. Okay. What about you, Elizabeth? Um, um, who have I met at the cinema? I'm much further behind you guys. I can give you a hint. Yeah, I would like one hint. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a male and uh, he was part of a two filmmakers come to kind of bounce um, Q&As uh, off of. And hmm, who were the filmmaker to filmmakers? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I couldn't remember the. Oh, um, I know the the one movie. Um, is it like documentary? Yes. Um, David, who directed that? Uh, Monrovia. Who directed Monrovia? Oh my gosh! Uh, I hate. Uh, uh I'm trying not to cheat. I'm. I legit, hate that I legit. can't remember it. I mean, I I think that's close enough. Can you reveal the name, please? Y- yeah. Frederick Wiseman. That's Frederick right. Frederick Wiseman. Man. I hope John does not listen to this episode. He's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> so Frederick Wiseman didn't want, did he have any particular reason as to why he didn't want his yeah. interview post until he passed away? Uh, you know, he, uh, he was, he was a good interview. Um, he was pretty, um, the interview was quick. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, he's a very succinct person. Yeah. Uh, succinct, you know, straightforward. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess um, he had kind of relayed to John that like, no, don't don't post this until I till I die, um, which is definitely within his rights as a uh, as a person um, to control the role out of that. But so, yeah, we're just uh, we're happy to wait forever because, you know, he's great, but uh, it's here just waiting for the public to to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to just make me rack my brain as far as like the dozens of guests who've been to the cinema over the past 10 years. So I think that's a yeah. fitting, fitting game for us. And th- there were so many too. Like I, I know Elizabeth, you said 50, I think I, I had like 60 at one point and then I read something back and it was like 65, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. It is definitely something we've missed in the past year. I'm sure you guys have too. I mean, just being able to even watch a movie at the cinema. I mean, I think me and Elizabeth's our group chats are eventually like and if enough time passes, we will eventually just start lamenting how much we miss not being at the cinema at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I would watch the heck out of a Karin Kusama interview. So, yes. I'm sad we missed that one. You know, um there's a few and I know it's probably exceedingly difficult i mean especially now but you know david lynch would be cool link later uh, yes. would be cool um yes. 
<laughs> if it was as easy as just saying, hey, come to the cinema, and then they're like, yes, I'm sure. Miranda July would be cool. Oh, yes, for sure. And she was in uh, Madeline's Madeline with that Josephine Decker directed, so we would have yeah. a connection yeah. there. Uh, Kirsten, is there anyone in particular that you wanted to, that you would love to interview if given the opportunity? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Miranda July, Anna Biller, who directed The Love Witch, of course, David Lynch, that would be a dream come true. And I know there are more, but when I try to think of things like this on the spot, I always go blank, but <laughs> I should have made notes like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I think a lot of the time, the first things off your head are the things that like you feel the strongest about. Yeah. yeah. So when I participated in the, um, we had a like a virtual version of our monthly movie roundup for the IU Cinema blog, and one of the questions that I got asked to the audience for to us from the audience was, um, you know, as people associated with the cinema and things, if you were given the keys to program a movie or an entire film series at the cinema, like if you know if Brittany passed you the baton to program either one movie or if you were up to it, like a series of movies. Essentially, you guys are honorary IU staff. What would be your staff size <gasps> program if given the opportunity? We're honored. <laughs> Do you want to go first, Kirsten? Or? No, I have to think about okay. it. Okay. Uh, well, this is stuff that we had seen recently, semi-recently, and I loved it. It was great. Uh, Les Blank um, has a lot of documentaries. Um uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but there's uh, one about garlic, gap tooth women, uh, Cajun food. Um, and you guys may have done this before, kind of a, a culinary arts related series. But I think if there was a week of less blanks, you know, garlic is as good as 10 mothers, always for pleasure. Um, whether it was just his work um, would be awesome and or do like a a, a, a a food cinema week with like Tom Popo and Les Blank's work. We just saw one recently. Uh, Soul Food was good. Oh, was great. Yes. And Big Night. And Big Night, of course. Oh, I love Big Night. But um, there might be a food uh, restriction. Food and beverage restriction in the cinema. <laughs> Otherwise, maybe there could be like a, a collab between like Farm Bloomington, like recreating some dishes or like different area restaurants, like doing this and kind of collaborating and making like a, a food and food movie outdoor thing could be cool. Sounds amazing. That's all we've been doing during quarantine <laughs> is cooking and watching food related tv shows and movies so do you cook based on what you watch like we for example me and my partner we made ratatouille when we watched ratatouille do you do any of that yeah and i made the 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 like goodfellas prison gravy during <laughs> quarantine at one point <laughs> so. well we watched or we've been watching those binging with babish uh videos on youtube oh you mean my bible <laughs> they're awesome they're so well produced and like i could watch them for hours i think i would want to screen i don't know we just watched um eve's bayou last weekend <gasps> and i really want to see that movie again and it'd be really great to see on the big screen in a place like the cinema so that's my answer right now are you suggesting a uh, 
um, Louisiana, particularly New Orleans oh. themed week. You could do Down Skeleton by Law. Key. Skeleton Key, Down by Law. Um, uh, Eve's Bayou. You could, I mean, uh, a big easy series. I mean, that programs itself. We're getting a lot of really good work done here. This is <laughs> this is Brittany's taking notes. This is big. This is important. This is huge. Uh, we'll send we'll we'll send Brittany this file directly. She'll uh, <laughs> she'll immediately figure it out. Uh, that's like, that's how things work at the cinema. Maybe next Mardi Gras uh, year or next year for Mardi Gras, do like a Mardi Gras week thing. I wanted to more ask you guys about like your work and how the cinema and doing these interviews and watching these movies and listening to these people's philosophies about filmmaking has like impacted your own work both as like contractors and as like artists yourselves well uh, one big thing kind of gets distilled after 50 or 60 of these is it's pretty interesting since the questions that that john and Brittany have kind of maintained throughout this close to a decade it's cool to see a lot of similarities and a lot of differences in certain areas of artists responses to these questions but when when asked the um what advice would you give to a young or emerging filmmaker a lot of the answers are and i'm paraphrasing but have to do with just doing it like that small project you're thinking about all the time or developing um, whether it's related to your work life or not um, just do it just go out there and do it and yeah I forget who said this but it was kind of an equation of like the pain of not telling a story needs to exceed your okayness level of not telling people about it so the advice that we get as as um, creators was fun to kind of go back over the decade and funnel in all of this advice from these giants and across the board it always seems to be the same of just like quit making excuses um do that pet project um do that uh, thing you've been talking about or thinking about and i mean most of the stuff we do is pretty corporate and commercial promotional product stuff and not as narrative or abstract or kind of personally close to our heart that kind of a um self-made or uh, self-cultivated idea has but we're still trying to get better about pursuing some of those creative side projects but that's the big thing for me everyone telling me do that fun thing you've been talking about um, is probably the biggest thing for me so obviously you've talked a little bit about your work outside of the cinema um, but considering either the cinema or outside work which project that you've worked on has surprised you the most i think uh, this might be a fifty thousand foot bird's eye view but um there's a client that we work pretty closely with that's product base uh, it's a power tool company and we've been able to kind of do more uh, documentary style aspirational type of videos with tradespeople and furniture makers and builders and that's always a unique challenge because my brain sometimes tells me okay we got to have a plan the plan's got to be um structured uh mm -hmm. to a certain degree and a lot of those projects that i mean hop on a plane 
go to California, shoot a builder, um, get their story, get all the visual content we need all within a day or two and then come back and then kind of piece it together organically. Um, so globally, it's always being kind of um, willing to let the happy accidents kind of dictate the direction of something that is the right balance of planned and unplanned. Like as much as I'd like to tell a story, um, it's always got to have that right balance of just organic chaos and just a uh, ability to put a fence around it in the right way. And it's, it's tough because as much as we want to plan and uh, anticipate um, sometimes those projects where things happen that you didn't expect um, have the most positive impact. Maybe that's a little too general, but there's only so much planning you can do with those more documentary style projects. And you can talk to the subject ahead of time and get a good sense of their work and what they're like as a person. And mm-hmm. it's not until you're actually there and like spend time, spend with, time them. with them in their environment that uh, you really start to get a sense of the story and and then coming back and putting it all together, it's like usually completely different than what you'd had in mind. And it always seems to work out for the best. So it's it's creating that environment. Um, yeah, it's just creating an environment like and it's it's not just kind of stumbling into something with the goal of getting it done. Obviously, no good work can really come of that. But kind of finding those tools and getting that advice to kind of just fortify that unknown, those kind of uh, known unknowns, if you will, of, (laughs) um, you know, preparing yourself and letting everything happen organically and being true to the authenticity of the original goal and everything else will kind of fall into place. Um, And these cinema interviews, for example, are are pretty uh, straightforward and structured in that the constant is the location and the questions and the unknowns obviously is what they're going to say and how they're going to say it and how it's going to impact, you know, listeners and stuff. And while a lot of responses may be kind of similar, um, I think the nuances of, you know, Jim Jarmusch explaining the importance of cinema and, Abbas Kiristami explaining and uh, Julie Dash explaining and you create this uh, soup of um, wonderful creative force that um, is pretty sustaining. I mean, of all the work that we do, being able to meet these giants and share space with them and in a beautiful setting, um, in a very tranquil production environment um, is kind of been really energizing for us over the years and usually it's the most inspirational moments in those uh, interviews are coming at a time of challenge like Jonathan Banks you know that was before we or right at the time that we started our business and Jonathan Mm -hmm. Banks was wonderful to hang out with and was just a wealth of just advice and wisdom and it just came at the right time in our life so it's kind of just putting yourself in the environment of inspiration um that the those cinema interviews have given us so 
So thank you guys. <laughs> thank you. I see why you guys fit in so well at the cinema because we obsessively plan. So, <laughs> which I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a necessary evil sometimes. I mean, if we were all poets with just like paper and a pencil compared to kind of the technical requirements of a cinema or, you know, um, video production company. Sometimes I wish that there was less technology involved, but it's kind of a necessary challenge, Mm -hmm. necessary component. What is on the horizon for Toph Media and what would you like people to know about you and where to find you and uh, the things you do? Well, we can be found at tothmedia.com, but uh, just to give a a quick uh, explanation of what we do and, and why we do it. In the context of this past year, we've remained fortunate with our small client base has kept us has kept us relatively busy. But you know, our goal as a small creative partner is to uh, remain competitive um, with the capabilities of those larger media agencies in the region, but still provide that agility and closeness of a an in-house employee or a small team would. So, increasingly, companies are trying to find that in-house hire that can plan, produce, and refine and deliver content um, or go with that crazy expensive, slower, sometimes bloated, larger marketing PR communications firm. Obviously, there are magic bullets out there, but those are pretty hard to find. So we try to be that optimal middle ground between fast, affordable, and effective video marketing solutions. So we're just a small family-owned and operated digital media company, um, but we try to pour our hearts and minds into every project we do, large or small, and uh, try to uh, expand our skill set. And by doing so, try to equip clients with some pretty cool video marketing content. And on a personal, a more personal project level, potentially recipe videos, I'm thinking now after all of our food food movie talk and uh, maybe some documentary work in the future for, I don't know, not for clients, but just for us. Yeah, Kirsten's <laughs> being pretty modest. She's uh, She's got amazing culinary talent, and I'm very lucky. <laughs> and hence the uh, uh, recipe videos. I think having some kind of fun educational um, thing, uh, creative baby between us, <laughs> um, mostly driven by her culinary prowess, um, but that would be pretty cool. We always talk about that. There's no shortage of good eats at our at our household. So thank you, Kirsten. I want to oh. publicly thank you for all the uh, <laughs> wonderful food um, that you've prepared. That's all. Thank you, Joe. And also Toth Media LLC on Instagram. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. going to mention that. I'm horrible at self-promoting. But uh, yeah, tothmedia.com is our website. You can kind of get a good... Um, survey of what we do and how we do it and why we do it and um toth media llc on instagram and facebook um we are not as um frequent as we should be in social media posting but uh we're getting better we're getting better i think maybe (laughs) we need to get better we need yeah we do we need to get better (laughs) well i will tell you as someone who's also an avid cook uh the moment those recipes videos go up, uh, me and Elizabeth will <laughs> let the people know on this podcast about them and promote Toff Media for you. 
That's cool. You'll be our secret uh, focus group first. <laughs> See if you like them. Well, thank you so much, Joe and Kirsten, for doing this interview. This has been delightful. I couldn't have asked for a better way to spend an hour on a Friday afternoon. I've had a wonderful time. Uh, thank you so much. And yeah, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Well, the feeling's mutual. It was great to talk to you guys and can't wait to hopefully have a conversation with you in person after uh, in the year 2025, possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I thank you guys <laughs> um, for everything that you do and all the great work that the IU Cinema is doing and programming. Um, like Kirsten said, we can't wait to come back in person, um, maybe for a um, uh, Big Easy themed uh, Themester type of week or a uh, um, little outdoor culinary film series. But no, seriously, <laughs> thank you guys. Um, we're really humbled to be to be a part of uh, um, promoting the IU Cinema and, and its mission. So thank you, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Joe and Kirsten, lovely duo. We will have them back on in the future. Uh, a great game. I'm kind of embarrassed at how bad I did at that uh, director's trivia game. Honestly. Oh my, same though, because I have seen all of those videos. Yes, like you, I mean, I'm not saying that you should feel worse, but like it is one of those things where like, yeah, you went through all those videos at one point. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Well, it's also the thing is where I like went through them all in within like a week yeah, or two so weeks. Kind of so they're all together. just out in the ether. Yeah, it's hard to keep them together. But seriously, I, I mean, it's nice to have people on who are just like very grounded and uh, are just as big of fans of film as we are. And like also enjoy the fact that they kind of fell backwards into their profession a little bit and you know as someone who's like weirdly shifting lanes as in a profession right now it's you know gives me hope makes me feel nice with that uh i don't know you can find me the same places samurai flicks on twitter robert dolphy on instagram and letterboxd uh elizabeth uh at my name elizabeth rell everywhere uh instagram letterboxd twitter all the fun places and uh, no preview for next week, but we've got guests lined up in the upcoming weeks. Yes. We're very excited. We got we're very excited about them. So stay tuned for that. Uh, next week's a little bit of a mystery, but I I think I have something up my sleeve for that. So we'll see how that goes. Mm. Elizabeth doesn't even know. So Man. <laughs> uh, but with that, this has been a place for film. We'll see you at the movies. Good night. Good night.